Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, War Report family? We're back with another great edition of Building Rapport. Joining me is special guest, uh, host of Crane & Co. He's on fire over on, at the Daily Wire. Jake Crane joins me to talk a little bit of Auburn football in camp uh, so far this August. Uh, Jake, uh, let's jump right in here, man. Hugh Freeze is now the coach on the Plains. Um, he's brought in a fresh attitude, a great perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Fans seem to be excited because of the... Uh, the momentum generated in recruiting, which is something that Harsh Harson took a lot of heat for. Uh, but now it's time to play football. Yeah. Right. Recruiting was great, but now it's time to play football. None of those guys are going to help you this year. So he's got to deal with the guys he has now. Uh, he touted himself as a QB developer coming in. He said, I do two things well, develop QBs and I turn programs around quickly. Uh, so he goes out and he brings in Peyton Thorne. So let's start there. Uh, Peyton Thorne, so far, you know, reports are are not glowing through the first week of camp. Uh, it seems like he had, you know, pretty average scrimmage. You know, what does Q Freeze do with Peyton Thorne if he does not clearly make himself mm-hmm. the front runner for this QB race? Uh, well, uh, first off, Mike, it's good to be on with you, buddy. It was great to uh, catch up with you at SEC Media Days. Really enjoying the uh, content you guys are putting out. And look, I, I can I can respect people getting it out of the mud. That's that's how we started over here, but. Um, look, I think we're to the point now, and you brought the timing, right? Timing mm-hmm. and everything is, is in life is everything uh, in in all aspects of it. And Peyton Thorne coming over when he did, not being able to go through a spring, because a lot of a lot of the learning curve outside of building chemistry or you know, dare I say, rapport with the wide receivers and the offensive line and gelling, it's it's terminology. It's understanding you know the checks what do you call the motions what do you call the formations the personnel groupings that's easy i mean we're going to be in 10 we're going to be in 11 we're going to be in 12 but you know what do you call everything what do you call the adjustments you know what what do we call the 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 certain route combinations a lot of that you know when you're sitting looking at a board is one thing to be like all right i'm going to memorize i'm going to memorize it it's like it's like going over a, a study guide and then going over a test Right. Those are two different kind of intensities. And once the bullets start flying, uh, whether it be in a scrimmage, you know, whether it be in a, a, you know, controlled environment during a drill, it's a little bit tougher and it takes a little bit longer. That, that's a hard flip to switch, regardless of how much experience you have, because it wasn't experience exactly in the system, exactly with this coaching staff and exactly with the roster. But I think where they're at right now is they're still waiting on that flip to switch for Peyton Thorne, because make no mistake. Mm-hmm. You don't go get players from the portal like that, especially this time of year, to sit the bench. You're going, you're bringing in that guy under the auspices of we need to create more competition in the room. Right. We need more experience. Just look at the way the numbers jumped when Peyton Thorne came in. I mean, experience is the unteachable, intangible. But you are bringing in those guys under the auspices of 
most likely this guy's going to play. You do the same things with, with junior college players. You're trying to plug holes in the roster. It's your first year there. Now, when he comes along, when, when he's able to finally burst that door down, that's the biggest question. But I will say this. I do think it is a good sign that he's not able to just walk in here, even with the lack of right. terminology and experience, and be able to just blow the other guys out of the water. Now, they have a built-in advantage, but I will continue to say this. If you give me Holden Gariner, you give me Peyton Thorne, and you give me Robbie Astrid, and you say, all right, Jake, between these three in this RPO system, in this style of offense, with the way that Auburn wants to run it, if all three guys are operating at 100% efficiency, play the hypothetical game, give me Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford I think yeah. that's the best-case scenario for Auburn. Now, is Robbie going to be able to improve that 49% completion percentage from last year? I, I don't know. If he ends up winning the job, That that I, th I don't think there's any in-between. I think it's either really good for Auburn or really bad for Auburn at the end of the day. But I think what you're seeing is, and the things you, you've heard Hugh Freeze say, is that while Peyton Thorne, I'm sure, is, is picking it up, I mean, hell, he's probably still trying to figure out where to go eat lunch yet, let alone be able to find, you know, get to the second, third read within the combinations against coverages. So I think it's just it's taken more time. And I don't think that's a big shocker for Hugh or the staff. Uh, Jake, let me ask you a, a simple question. Is, is Peyton Thorne good enough to play quarterback in this league? I think he is. I mean, is is he good enough to, you know, take Auburn to the, the standard that, that Auburn fans have? Is he good uh, enough to get to that 10-win mark? A lot of folks felt like he was not going to win the job this spring at Michigan State. So, you know, to be to set the stage for this, right? Like he mm -hmm. he didn't leave a small program to come to Auburn, right? He left a P five school in the Big Ten uh to come to Auburn, uh, where presumably I would assume he thought he may be able to win the job fairly easily. That's why you make that jump. Otherwise, yeah. why why leave where you're at? Um, yeah, well, I yeah. I, I mean again the the quarterback rooms are different. Obviously, Mel Tucker's been at Michigan State longer than what, you know, Hugh Freeze has been at Auburn. I don't think Michigan State's exactly going to set the world on fire this year. I actually think Mel's going to be in some trouble after mm -hmm. they probably go five and seven, somewhere around there, six and six, oh, after, after giving him the bag, all the gold in the vault uh, after a good first year. But <laughs> the whole when bag. it comes to Peyton Thorne in this offense, the biggest question to me isn't Peyton Thorne's ability to throw the ball consistently or make the right decision. I, I think he's kind of a safer play there. If you're going to have a system, and you always rely on balance, right? And what do we think about balance? Obviously, run to pass. It's deeper than that, though. It's it, Balance, to me, is taking advantage of what the defense is giving you because that's the whole point of playing quarterback. That's why the term game manager is the worst term in sports. If you're not managing the game at the quarterback position, you're not playing quarterback. It's like calling a pitcher a game manager. Well, mm -hmm. duh. You need to know who's on what base, what the count is, and things like that. But the biggest question for Peyton Thorne is to be able, and we've Auburn fans have seen the difference. I'll give you a great example. Nick Marshall running the zone read was a whole hell of a lot different than when Jared Stidham was running the zone yeah, read. Now, sure. I'm not saying that Peyton Thorne needs to be Nick Marshall. I don't. I mean, there, there's only one Nick Marshall. But does Peyton Thorne, is he enough of a threat with his legs that that backside defensive end is going to hold when he sees that mesh point? Is he enough of a threat with his legs where that nickel kind of keeps his eyes on him a little bit when they're running that three-man surface method? Is he enough of a threat with his legs that they've got to put a spy on him at some point or that safety's eyes get caught in the backfield and that gives the slot guy an extra step? That's the biggest question. Like, And it's not that he has to be Usain Bolt. He doesn't have to be Usain Bolt. He just has to be a threat enough to where that defensive coordinator goes, guys, listen, 
We, this is a two-dimensional guy. This is a dual-threat guy. And the whole point of running an RPO system, a run-pass option system, mm-hmm. is that the run option is scary and the pass option is scary. If right. you don't have one of those, you have none of those. And that's how it works in this offense. Well, what do you, <laughs> for reports out of the first scrimmage, uh, were that Holden Gurner had a great, great scrimmage. Um, you know, Robbie Ashford led some touchdown drives. Um, you know, Peyton Thorne uh, was the only one that we didn't, we didn't really a clear assessment of how he did. We know that he had two potential drop uh, touchdown passes that were dropped. Um, but otherwise, not a ton of information came out. A lot of the focus was on the other two quarterbacks. Um, you know, now they're into the second week of camp. They're well into the second week of camp. If you're Peyton Thorne, what do you have to do to lock this job up by game one? Uh, you know, I, I think you have to show a, a command of everything. A lot of it, and, and I think, you know, sometimes people get lulled to sleep in, oh, well, you had this amount of passes that were complete. You had this. Th- these were your numbers. This is this is what people saw. There's so much more that goes into that because there could have been a touchdown pass where he made the wrong read. And, you know, maybe he made an incredible throw or a ball got tipped or something like that. And then there may have been two other drops, like you mentioned, that were great reads, but they don't show up in, in the stat book. Did you get us out of a bad play? When Because during scrimmages, yeah, you script some of it, but there's somewhere you're letting the, the defense, especially with new coordinators, you're letting the OC call it versus the DC. So sometimes you don't get in situations where you're like, all right, we're going to get this look, so we need to make sure he does this. You're kind of doing it on the fly. So is Peyton Manning, is uh, Peyton Thorne, I wish you had Peyton Manning, uh, <laughs> is, is Peyton Thorne, Getting guys up, is he is he motioning guys at the right time? Mm-hmm. Is he letting them clear before he snaps the ball? Is he showing a command with the offensive line? Is he the voice that when they're on the sideline and when they're running out, he's able to get off the field and communicate things not only with the coaches, but to them as well? All of it goes into it. So I think it, it, a lot of it is just a command of everything that's going on. And then obviously you you have performance, right? Is he making the right decision? Is he throwing the ball away? when he needs to throw the ball away? Is he throwing the check down when he needs to throw the check down? Outside of the obvious, are you are you throwing the hot against the blitz? Are you th- making the right read, whether that be mm-hmm. one to two to three, uh, and then taking care of the ball in the red zone? So right. a lot of it is little things, especially with a guy like Hugh Freeze, who's a quarterback developer. Yeah, um, I got a chance to ask Hugh Freeze about whether or not um, he would have a clear-cut starter for game one. He said, we'll have a starter. How bona fide they are is going to be up in the air. So it sounds like that he is prepared to pull the plug if it's not going well. Uh, but you obviously want to give your starter a chance to get in the flow of the game, maybe get some first game jitters out. How long do you hang with whoever you start um, if they're not playing well? And and how do you how do you manage this if it's still really close between one and two going yeah. into game one? Yeah, well, perfect scenario, and, and a lot of it is for prep, right? You, you want to have those two weeks, that week and a half of, of prep where you have that – everybody knows who the voice is, right? Everybody mm-hmm. knows who the guy is. This is the starting quarterback. This is the guy who we know we're going to go out there with. Uh, that, that takes some of the problems away, but you can't force a square peg through a round hole. If you don't have a guy that has separated himself, somebody's got to go out there as a starter. Somebody's got to go take the first snap. Now, I'm not a big fan of saying, all right, well, it's close after the last week of fall camp before game planning, so you're going to play the first two drives, and then you're going to play. This isn't preseason in the NFL. Like, if a, if you send a guy out there, you say, all right, listen, Peyton, you're the starter. You're the starter until you're not the starter. 
that that way he's not saying, oh man, well, if I go out here on these first couple passes and I don't look great, they're going to pull me for the next guy. That's not a situation that you want to put a player in, especially early in his Auburn career in a new place or a freshman, young guy, something like that. So I, I think it is going to be dictated, obviously, on how they perform. That's how it should be. Hugh's going to play the best guy, but I don't think Hugh's going to go out there and say, all right, well, you're going to have this. It can, I coached with a guy that played quarterback at Kansas, mm-hmm. and the, the worst thing they ever did to him was say, listen, regard, you're going out for the first two drives. Regardless of how you do, whether you go eight for eight with two touchdown passes and make perfect decisions, we're going to bring in the next guy after the first two drives. That's an awful way to go about it. You don't really get a lot out of that. I don't think Hugh would do that, but that doesn't mean it won't be a competition. And if the first guy struggles the first couple drives, he'll give another guy a chance. At the end of the day, the best player's got to play. Yeah, Jake, I want to show you some numbers. Um, so I'm going to pull some I'm pull some numbers up here. Um, mm-hmm. These are Peyton Thorne's kind of pressure stats. Uh, these come via uh, pro football focus, but it shows last year, um, you know, what his numbers looked like when he was kept clean versus, you know, when he was under pressure. Uh, under pressure, he had a 29.6% completion percentage. Uh, what we've seen when we study these numbers is, is that um, some of the better quarterbacks are north of 45% under pressure. Everybody's completion percentage drops off. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading these numbers wrong. He's 67% and he's 45%. Uh, under pressure uh, on the move, uh, his percentage drops off about 21 percentage points is, is pretty average. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, teams are going to try to get after him, I, I would assume. Right. They're going to try to get after him and try to put pressure on him. Uh, you know, where do you think he needs to be at here? You know, three touchdowns to six interceptions went under under pressure. You know, where does he need to be at here to have a successful season at all? Uh, well, look, I, a lot of it's dictated on how how well the offensive line can protect him. Because right? sure. if, if the offensive line's protecting him, then you're going to have to find a way to manufacture pressure. And and what, what I can tell is, when you look at those numbers, I mean, when he's blitz, he's he's got 12 touchdowns to four. I, I think I, I need to know, you know, are, are these are these zone blitzes, are these mm-hmm. blitzes where you're walking up where guys are snaking, are you getting double Bs, are you getting shoot blitzes? You know, what, what are you getting? But but the one that kind of the one that kind of stands out to me is when he's not blitzed, he's about even, which right. means when when they're disguising or when they're playing base stuff, because every defensive coordinator wants to be able to get there with four. I don't want to have to manufacture pressure to be able to get to you. I would love to send my guys out. If I got to bring five, I'll bring five. We'll we'll wrap the back. I'm fine with that with a linebacker. Uh, but the the biggest question is when everybody's playing even. If if it's a you know, 40%, they can pressure you with four. The other 60%, you're able to get through your reads. Is he going to make the right decision? And right now, it, it kind of seems like when, when that happens, he's about even. Now, kept clean, to me, means that you're able to move left, you're able to move right, right in the pocket, you're able to step up in the pocket, and you're able to keep your eyes downfield. Uh, I, I think a lot of that is going to come down to Auburn's ability up front. That's why I think that the biggest thing Hugh Freeze did for Auburn is flipping that house on the offensive line, right. bringing in guys that can actually protect him, whether you look at the guys from Tulsa, from Western Kentucky, you know, from East Carolina. I'm big on the Avery Jones kid. You know, I think he has a chance to be a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. So when, when I look at when I look at, at Peyton Thorne, what you're going to get out of the SEC is a mixed bag because you want to be balanced on defense just like you are offense. But if they have to start manufacturing pressure and robbing Peter to pay Paul, can you hit him where it hurts? which basically means throw the hot, 
and then be able to put a good ball on a vertical if you're getting press coverage, if they're in zero or something like that. So a lot of it is how do you play when they're even because you're going to get them even more times than not. Yeah, look, for for reference for everybody listening, um, uh, the, the kept clean 70.4% is is pretty average, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, an, a pressure rate under 30 percent in today's college football is, is about average um, uh, in Mac Jones's uh, championship run in 2020. Bama kept him upright 80 percent of the time, yeah. which is prolific. That's I mean, a, yeah, that's that's really nice. But I mean, look, when he's to me, that, that number when he's blitz, that 12 touchdown to four interception ratio means he is it's one of two things. Either, and it could be a combination of both, either he's able to make the first guy miss on a heavy blitz and find that softness in the coverage, or he is able to identify the blitzers, whether that be a zone blitz, whether that be the type of blitz when they're walking up. There's That's where that coach's son stuff comes in. Like I think he really understands what he's looking at pre-snap, and that gives me hope. Now, when you're able to run, this system that Auburn's running is way different than what Michigan State ran. Way different. So it puts pressure on three different places at once. So if you're going to blitz from one place, you've now added pressure that's going to be put on a particular place on your defense. Can Peyton Thorne identify that? Looking at these numbers, I mean, the man figures out Blue's Clues way more than he doesn't. Right, right. Um, Peyton Thorne, again, I expected him to win the job. I said months ago that I thought that he would come in and take the job. You talked about experience. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to this. How much does this experience weigh in to any non-performance at camp? Like, how much how much of a cushion, Jake, does it give him if maybe he hasn't clearly set himself apart from the others in terms of actual performance? We've heard great things about leadership and, you know, uh, uh, you know, initiative. But ultimately, you got to go out there and you got to throw the football, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, um, how much are you expecting the floor that he has set on the field to factor in to whether they ultimately decide to start him or not. Well, you know, I, I think compared to Holden Garner, it, it carries a lot more weight. Um, right. When you look at Robbie Ashford, you know, the way Robbie ended last year, um, you know, against Alabama, the way he threw, having to go on the road, play that game, the experience he got before that, I don't think it holds as much weight over Robbie. And Robbie brings an elite running element. So you have to weigh that in as well. I, I think there's a little bit more leash with Peyton. I think Hugh may feel a little bit more comfortable with Peyton because Peyton's shown that he's a, a more consistent thrower of the ball or he's not going to put the ball in harm's way. And when he misses, he, miss he doesn't miss as bad as Robbie. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a little bit of leash there. But I'm telling you, man, if Robbie Ashford is even close, like, like if it's even legitimately close, I think Robbie's ability to pressure defenses with his legs almost evens out the experience factor with Peyton Thorne. Right. That's what, but but I would not be surprised if you saw a situation where Peyton Thorne was the starter and Robbie got a lot of reps on third and short, fourth and short, in the red zone, utilizing Robbie on the field too, putting him out at receiver to make that defense have to say, listen, they've got another quarterback out on the field this may open up another side of the formation to be able to, for Auburn to feed Jarquez Hunter or feed, you know, uh, Fairweather or any of these guys that they brought in. So I, I think, you know, Robbie's going to be a part of this offense regardless if he wins the job or not.
Right. So we talked about them narrowing it down to two. Hugh Freeze had said, you know, 10 days yeah. in, we want to narrow it down to two. Um, you know, we're past that mark. But uh, and he and he was saying right at at the at the nine day mark, essentially, I don't know. I, I got to go look at the tape. Um, I've always felt that Robbie Ashford was going to be in the top two, no matter what, because of just of what you just said. He brings a dynamic that the other two do not. Right. So you're going to play him. Um, what does Holden Gurner have to do to make himself a serious contender in this race? Is there anything he can do to overcome Thorne's experience uh, and, 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 and be in that top two at the end of the day? I, he's going to have to outperform both of them by miles. He's going to have to do everything, to, to be honest with you. He's going to have to show the ability to be a threat running the ball, which I, I think Holden's athletic enough uh, yes. to be able to put pressure on defenses running the ball. He's going to have to play like he's a junior going into his second or third year starting, a redshirt junior. That's what he's going to have to play like. So the mountain, the climb, was always going to be the highest for Holden. Holden's going to have to perform at a level where they have to play. Like where, where they where they literally look at the tape and they look at him compared to the other guys and say, Coach, because you can't trick the players. The players know. Yeah. Like they know more than anybody. That that's that, That's the biggest thing. You can't sit here and say, all right, well – Whoever performs the best at left guard, that's the left guard that's going to play. Whoever performs the best at nickel, that's the nickel that's going to play. But, well, we brought in Peyton Thorne, so he's got to play, even though Holden's been out playing him. You can't trick the players. So that's something I think where Holden's going to have to play to such a high standard, and he's going to have to show it over and over and over again. And he's going to have to be able to lead as a young guy, which is almost as hard as performing when you're a young guy in there trying trying to set yourself up to be the guy. Because at the end of the day, the coaching staff, if, if Holden Garner is the guy, is putting their first year, you only get one chance to make a first impression. You're putting your first chance to make a first impression with all this momentum and equity that you've built up in recruiting, flipping DeMarcus, flipping Perry. You're putting that on a young guy to be able to go out there and perform under a ton of pressure. So you're, he's going to have to show tons of mental fortitude, and he's going to have to play his his – ass off for lack of a better term to be able to win the job and, and earn that trust from a new coaching staff yeah if he doesn't finish in the top two i would just assume he's out of here after this year right like you know i mean i, um, I don't see a yeah, scenario where yeah. it stays yeah i think a lot of it may it probably depends on that conversation that that if he does end up being number three maybe somewhere if you freeze system down and says listen we brought in the guy that that we liked it may be better for your future because i care about your future and right. your ability to get on the field to go somewhere else, or it could be the conversation of, listen, Holden, you're really, really close. I need a year of you working with me. I need I need a year of seeing you uh, throughout a, a normal routine of practice, through an in-season practice, and you're legitimately going to have a shot to win this thing, especially if neither one of these guys blow it out of the water. So I think a lot of it depends on how close he is if he does finish third in this race. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Hugh Freeze definitely has a, a very important decision on his hands in year one to decide who his starting quarterback is going to be and, um, you know, what is in the best interest of the team because he's got grace in year one. But I still believe, and we're going to get into season predictions here in a second, uh, that the floor has to be at make a bowl game for Hugh Freeze. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I think bowl the game standards year one, right? Yeah, the, the standard's always going to be high when you're in a place like Auburn. He understands that. Now, I think, you know, if, if we're going to talk about floor bowl game, yes. I think if you're going to go seven and five, which, look, is, is a legitimate possibility. It needs to be the right seven and five. 
Uh, but right now, you know, we're, we're going to drop our predictions uh, actually on Auburn next Friday, but I'm leaning toward eight and four with the ceiling, probably nine Ooh. and three. That's the way it's looking right now to me. I mean, again, you look at the non-conference, yeah, it's, you know, it's a favorable schedule. just bad enough to scare you, right? <laughs> They're just bad enough to scare you. Um, but when, when I look at Auburn's schedule, if you're able to sweep the non-conference, which you should, splitting, you get Bama and Georgia at home, it's going to be tough to split that. But if you find a way to split that one, you beat the Mississippi schools and Vandy, you know, and that's, and that's not saying at Arkansas or at A&M, you're at eight and four. So I, I think you look at the schedule, Mixed with the way that 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 Auburn is up front on the offensive line, if they have a pass rush, if Auburn just has an above average pass rush, this is an eight and four ball club. Right. Wow. Well, they put a lot of uh, emphasis on the jack position um, and making sure that they had enough guys to play there to try to get pressure off the edge. We know that that's really important in Ron Roberts' defense. So, so we'll be keeping our eyes there as well too. Um, Jake Crane thinks eight and four. I mean, at that point, you beat somebody that nobody expected you to beat. So yeah, so I mean, this. Uh, yeah, that I mean, whether that, yeah, whether that's on the road at A and M, whether that's that's on the road at Arkansas, and look, that's it, it's that's a big assumption saying you're going to beat both Mississippi schools at right. home with, with the way that Ole Miss kind of cooks with Lane Kiffin. I think Zach's a little sneaky at Mississippi State, but I'm telling you, man, there's when all, Auburn can be Auburn don't get a lot of chances to be sneaky, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, we, right? We don't get a lot of chances to be sneaky this year. You have a chance to be sneaky, especially because. I mean, you you start out three and zero, right? Which which you should. Then you go to A and M. Even if you win that game, right? Nobody thinks you're you're still all of a sudden this this juggernaut team that that everybody slept on. So I mean, I, I legitimately think with that schedule eight and four, it's it's pretty doable. You got to catch breaks, right? I mean, Auburn didn't have the depth built up in the roster right now to be able to afford a ton of injuries. You got to catch breaks there. A couple balls bounce your way, but you know the quarterback position goes out and plays well enough. I mean, I, I think Aiden Ford's it's it's legit possibility. Well, they've got a lot of momentum in recruiting. I think Aiden Four season will con- will help continue that uh, sure. that that momentum. And also, when, once you once you put proof of concept on the field and you give recruits something to look at to say, "Woo, they're close." And if they yeah. have me, you know, it'll put it over the top. I think Hugh Freeze will have a great thing working. Want to thank Jake Crane for taking some time to join me to talk a little Auburn football and 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 year one expectations, uh, Jake. Uh, you're doing some great things over at the Daily Wire with Crane and Co. Tell the people how they can find you and, and where they can listen to you. Yeah, man. Well, uh, like I said, it was great coming on to uh, chop it up with you, man. I'm ready for the season to get here. Uh, a lot of unknowns, which always makes it fun. I mean, it's Auburn football, so <laughs> yep. you know, everybody let's panic together. Um, yeah, you can come over to Crane and Company. Easiest way to find us on YouTube, uh, C-R-A-I-N and Company. We're really close to 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. Trying to get there before kickoff. Uh, on August 26th, we talk everything college football, talk a lot of NFL, have a ton of great guests on and uh, have live calls and live chat. We go live in the morning, 6.30 a.m. Central to uh, 8 a.m. Uh, Central as well. Literally forgot what time zone uh, I was in. But uh, now, nah, man, Mike, it's great talking to you, man. Really enjoy what you guys are doing. And let's do it again sometime. I appreciate you, Jake. Guys, that's it for another great edition of Building Rapport. If you want more content like this, please hit like and subscribe. We are The War Report on every social media platform. TW Report on TikTok. We're signing off. And as always, Warrior.